I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. My name is Elon Jacobson, and deal-making is in my DNA. I'll be here each week talking with entrepreneurs and deal-makers about the crazy obstacles they've faced along their paths, and whether it's nature or nurture driving their success. Expect the unexpected on a deal-maker's DNA. So, Matt, first podcast ever, and no one better than you, my friend. I appreciate it, man. Right on. I'm excited just to give everyone a background. We have Matt Wilson here, not only one of my closest friends and business partner, but uh, also the the founder and creator of the worldwide phenomenon of indoor axe throwing and the company being uh, Battle, which stands for Backyard Axe Throwing League. Maybe, Matt, I'd love to hear kind of the origin story of what, what got you into this, uh, you know, most interesting business. Sure, man. I appreciate the introduction. Um, certainly didn't invent the concept of axe throwing, but, uh, but yeah, when you say indoor axe throwing, uh, for sure, we we're one of the first, if not the first, definitely the first in what has been coined by the community as urban axe throwing, which is sort of a different rule set than maybe traditional axe throwing. So, and that all stemmed from uh, experiences in my backyard, as you said. So, I learned how to throw an axe from a friend at a cottage back in 2006 and quickly became hooked. And when I say axe in that sense, it was actually technically a hatchet. So, you know, a camping axe, as it's also referred. So I learned how to throw with that, came back to my apartment, which was uh, the main floor of a house in downtown Toronto. And we had this backyard that was kind of just a dump and had this giant concrete wall in the back that was the exterior of like a restaurant's kitchen around the corner. So this big concrete wall and no real use in the backyard, I was pretty hooked on the activity. So I was dead set to persuade my uh, roommates that it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, And I know you're pr- quite persuasive. And yeah. uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later as, you know, the podcast is about a DNA's entrepreneur. I would definitely say that persuasiveness is, is, is a component of that DNA. Right on. I, I Persuasiveness, stubbornness, uh, any of those things. I think for me, I've always liked to summarize it as like one of the things that brings me the most joy is the idea of sharing something that I love with someone else who may not understand it. So whether that's through, you know, music, taste or movies or whatever it might be. In this case, it was it was axe I knew that it was awesome and it was something that I loved. And my roommates were kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no. Not, yeah, yeah, whatever. You don't get it. You don't get it. We're going to go, like, you got to throw. So that's what inspired me to grab some scrap wood. And I didn't even have a drill at that time. The first target we ever made, I actually made with duct tape because I had no tools and duct tape we had. So I put some scrap wood together and brought my buddies, my roommates into the backyard. And that was kind of the birth of it all. We started throwing and it was only a matter of minutes before they were like, you're right, this is pretty amazing. And you know, then all of a sudden it's five hours later and we don't even know where the time has gone. So resourcefulness was also a huge component of the, uh, of the journey. I mean, we talked, you, know, you talked about being persuasive or in your mind, just being super passionate about something and sharing that passion. And there's that resourcefulness of using duct tape for your first targets. Yeah, I think uh, some might say the more resourceful person would have had tools in their home, but uh, <laughs> but uh, in the moment, I can certainly be resourceful. Maybe not always as prepared as I should be, but uh, but I can certainly get things done under pressure. And, and, and did you know to. at the time, like, did you, were you self-aware enough, or not even self-aware enough, but were you able to take a step back and kind of label yourself at that time as, holy shit, I'm an entrepreneur? 
or I'm starting this entrepreneurial journey? Or was that just, was that secondary? Not at all. That was way down the line. So, so you were just following a passion at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was just something that I really enjoyed and that it kind of got me hooked. And so I was just diving into it, you know, with two feet, just jumping in the deep end. So I was like, let's do it. And we put up some targets, got the roommates hooked. And then I'd worked previously at an indoor beach volleyball facility, which, you know, you only find indoor beach activities in Canada. Of course. (laughs) Um, But uh, I worked there as a teenager, so I managed the leagues and that sort of thing. So the concept of running a league came pretty quickly as like a cool way to kind of get more of my friends to get engaged with this thing. And so that resulted in about 40 phone calls to which... I got 12 responses of people saying, you know, hey, I'm going to run this league. We're going to throw axes, bring 20 bucks to pay for the, to help me pay for the wood and let's do this thing. And, and, and the other 28 who didn't re- didn't reply just thought you were a psychopath, basically. Uh, they already knew me well enough. Oh, okay. They were all friends. So, there was, so, so they well, knew I, you were a psychopath. I wasn't changing any perceptions <laughs> at that point. I won't say one way or the other what they thought of me, but, uh, but I wasn't changing any perceptions with that phone call. Got it. They, they would expect that from you. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the first time that I had a had some sort of ridiculous idea to do. So let's fast forward a little bit to, you know, the, the real kind of next step in the journey. Obviously, uh, Firepower uh, invested in the company in 2014. You've remained the CEO since then. I'm actually quite curious as when was it you took a step back or maybe you haven't and said, Okay, I am a, an entrepreneur, and, and kind of labeled yourself as such, as you know your your job title, quote unquote. For me, it's not something that I'm that I've ever been willing to say lightly. I think that a lot of people, more and more these days, do say it very lightly. You know, it was years before I thought that was the case. I mean, I started throwing axes in the backyard in 2006. We moved out of the backyard into 2011 into my first indoor space. I'd say probably 2013 when I opened my second location is when I went okay, I'm singularly employed and successful with this business concept. And now I I have a significant amount of employees as well. How many employees do you have now? I know you made a couple acquisitions recently. Just over 400 total, I think. Incredible. Yeah. Did you ever think growing up that this would be your life? No, I didn't plan very much through most of my growing up. Like I said, prepared wasn't always my move. Yeah, I've always lived very much in the moment, uh, often to a fault. You know, didn't really think much about college and career beyond high school and really just dove into working. Like I, I was in my final year of high school, I was working, you know, a night shift gig, stocking shelves at Walmart and doing split shifts at Swiss Chalet during the day and also managing my last my last handful of credits, which I didn't even complete. So I still need an English credit to graduate high school. So I wasn't ever really really planning that. I just once I found work that I liked, I just dove into it. So and I like making money at a fairly early age. So, you know, you say that yet, you know, I know enough of, of you now and granted you don't work paycheck to paycheck, but that's not what drives most people at the end of the day to do what they do. I mean, money's a byproduct of success, but what is it today that gets you up in the morning that gets you into the office and excited about kind of the next stage in the journey? Yeah, I think those are two different things there that I think maybe were a little convoluted on the last one. When I was 18, I liked making money. And I liked that more than going to school. Mm -hmm. So I dove into work and I knew I, and I excelled. I kind of excelled at every job that I took. I became a manager in almost every role I've ever had, whether it was in, you know, the sports world, running a facility, doing beach volleyball or Walmart, stocking shelves at night. So, you know, in that sense, I liked making money then as an alternative, but it certainly has never been, not the main motivator in these last many 
many years, you know, of this whole thing. It's, it's very much been passion and enjoyment. And, you know, in the backyard, it was a big piece of it was the people that I called was not an accident. I didn't just call the first 40 numbers in my phone book. I called the top 40 that I wanted to hang out with more, you know, and so that group of 12 cultivated deeper friendships that were already there. But when you have this weekly get together, sharing something that you love and competing together with a significant amount of social downtime in between, you know, those bonds just got stronger. And so that's, that's been very much the motivation. When we went from outgrowing the backyard, I could have just stopped. In my mind, that was just never an opportunity. That was just not an option. It was a, too cool and too important to my life. Like my weekly needs were that I needed to do this thing with these people. Yeah, it became you know, part of your purpose in a way. Yeah. A lot of uh, the guys from back in the day used to refer to it as church. Yeah. It became a bit H- of our... Hence the oath. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like the, a little bit of our belief system was like, because we were just about, you know, supporting friends and making time for each other and spending time together to develop those relationships. So for me, that's always been a big part. So a huge part of what I'm trying to accomplish in this podcast as we as we launch it uh, and hopefully, you know, do it for the next while is I'm a huge believer in being self-aware, in being authentic. And you spoke a little bit about how, you know, you're cautious to label yourself as an entrepreneur. People do it too quickly. I totally agree with that. I think that a lot of people would love to think that they're entrepreneurial or that they are an entrepreneur, but it's become, you know, kind of sexy or or the new rock and roll where, you know, maybe when we were younger, if you said you were an entrepreneur, your, your mother's friend would say to your mother, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, it's become cool now. And I'm hoping that through discussions with what I believe are true entrepreneurs, people will be able to look at these conversations and have meaningful discussions with themselves to come to the conclusion as to A, whether they are really an entrepreneur or B, you know, whether it makes sense for them as part of their skill set to line up with an entrepreneur that has that vision, but they're incredible at other things. Because I don't actually think it's a necessity to be the number one. You know, I, there's a lot of people that made a lot more money being number two to 100 in Facebook than being number one in most any other business. So I want to actually get rid of the idea that being the entrepreneur is a good thing because in my opinion, I believe I am an entrepreneur. I believe you are too, but it's a blessing and a curse. And there, there are a lot of times where I feel it'd be much easier not having this incessant drive to do what we do. But going back to your, to, to your discussion about you kept doing, you know, this job, the next job. And then it, it sounds to me like you didn't even have a choice. It was just part of who you were. Like, do you agree with that? I don't know if I agree that I didn't have a choice. I think that I can say that I didn't have a choice once it started. Once it started, in my mind, there was just never a choice to not do it anymore. The only option was to continue to do it. But I constantly, through the first couple of years, didn't believe the success in it myself, even as I was you know, taking money to the bank or like seeing a, a full booking schedule. Self-doubt's a hell of a thing that most entrepreneurs have as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, I agree. And, and it took me well into, like I said, two years of indoor operations fully successful before I went, okay, I'm going to let go of these other bar gigs that I had you know, here and there, these shifts I was holding on to because I was sitting there going, it could crumble at any any time, any day, doesn't matter how busy we are now, two months from now, we could be done, it could be over, right? And I think that you're absolutely right that there's a lot of success to be had in supporting the growth of a business and developing a career path like that. In our office here, I'm absolutely not the smartest person in the room, Um, far from it. And Thank goodness, because we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have those other people that that we were fortunate enough to be able to go and essentially 
a lot of them, you know, track down and go, I think this person would be a perfect fit and then bring them in and have them excel and really take us to the next level. So, you know, I don't want to be the guy that says, don't call yourself an entrepreneur. That's not the mindset. I think the mindset is to be self-aware and understand why are you using that term? Like, what does it mean to you? And for me, if you are an entrepreneur, you don't need to be called it. Mm. You just go and work. Just yeah. go and get your stuff done. Yeah. And then the title comes. Yeah, labels are so important in today's society. And that's a, you know, that's a great point. But I why? mean, fuck it. Like, why, yeah. why, like, why does that like have to exist? Like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're just getting the job done. Like, yeah. go work. Like, the only reason that I think part of the problem is because it's got this rock star status now. People like yeah. to slap titles on 100%. themselves for the social media appeal and, and the buzz in the community. For sure, there's an art to that. There's an art to that level of networking that I'll admit I don't fully grasp and I don't dive too deep into. And in the today's day and age, I understand there's a whole lot of, of need for that, but you know, just go work. Switching gears from, you know, the title or, you know, and I'm going to move from title to title, even though we said it doesn't matter. The title of entrepreneur to then, you know, I think a lot of people conflate the title of entrepreneur with the title of leader or leadership. And I know that you're a born leader. You have been your whole life. You've been, you know, the kind of person that brings your friends together in a backyard to throw axes. What is it about leaders that you really look up to? What do they have? Like, what are those qualities? And I know all leaders lead differently, but are there things that really resonate with you that you've seen other leaders do? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the thought. You know, I don't hand, deal with that well. Like, I don't think of myself as this, as a great leader. I think of myself yeah, as... Yeah, but, but evidence as, is evidence. Sure, and I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I, just, I just try to do the best thing that I can do for the group that I'm with uh, and trying to get the best out of at all times. And for me... That's kind of just always been transparency and honesty and, and gratitude, you know, and if I can roll with those and get good results and that's true to myself, then that, that's worked for me. I'll say that honesty and gratefulness are two big ones that I think uh, a lot of people need to practice more of and things that I look up to when I see somebody else, uh, you know, like yourself, who I look up to as, as a leader who can rally a group of people together. I think one of the big ones that, that maybe not everybody talks about, but certainly there are some key people that do talk about a lot, is that gratefulness piece, understanding that nothing's easy and that, and that everything you've got, you're fortunate to have. And so appreciate it all, whether it's the people and the relationships or the success in your business that you're having or the struggles in your business that you're having. To be in a position where you're even able to go out on your own and start a business and work hard and fail is still a really great place to be. Do you think you can hack gratefulness or do you think that you have to actually go through the struggle and what I mean by that is I know your story I know about you know you opening up your first location indoor and sleeping on a mattress behind boxes for six months without running water right you've actually lived and breathed the grassroots of you know what can become gratefulness because you know what that you know what what that could look like do you think people that don't go through that struggle can achieve you know those levels of authentic gratefulness? Yeah, I think so. I think everybody's struggle is unique. I mean, here's the other piece. Like, I don't think that was a struggle. Yeah. Like, that was fun. I loved it. I was living in this giant warehouse. It was like you haunting were living, and you weird. You were squatting. You <laughs> were squatting. kind of squatting. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was able to build this cool space. I thought it was really neat. You know, like, it took six months to build a washroom. That part, you know, wasn't the best. But the adventure was exciting. The The process was neat. Like, it didn't feel like a struggle at the time. Looking back on it now, I, I wonder if I'd be able to go through that again. And I think, you know, an different element age, of luck and stage, timing. Is, yeah, you know? different age, different stage. Luck and timing yeah. is part of it. But I think everybody's got some struggle there and and 
as long as they can see that or and appreciate what they've got, I think they could teach themselves gratefulness if they don't already have it. I mean, there is an element as well of, you know, reconditioning your mindset. You know, if you go out there and you task yourself every day to identify 10 things that you're grateful for and say it out loud to yourself, you can teach yourself to be grateful and to understand value in things that maybe you didn't see value in before. You know, the mind is a complicated thing and it can do all kinds of things. So I'd say, yeah, you could figure it out. You could teach yourself if it's something you wanted to teach yourself, but you came from a place of less struggle in your own mind. It doesn't mean you can't learn to appreciate some of the tougher points. So I'm going to make it a habit of ending every podcast with the same question. And you're going to be the first person to answer this question because it's something I think about all the time. How much of being an entrepreneur or being a leader is nature versus nurture? And why do you believe that? And what I mean by that is, you know, when I think about, you know, you know my background in genetics, I've been fascinated with the ingrained code of, of what makes us us. You know, I think all the time about, you know, was I born this way? Was I reared this way? Or was it a combination of both? I happen to think that we're born a lot more fixed than a lot of us may want to believe. Hmm, interesting. Um, but I want people to agree or disagree. And, yeah. you know, I know people that, that totally disagree with me and think that it's absolutely learned behavior. But, you know, that's my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. You know what? I have never really thought about that in this context. And the way I look at life, I'm, I'm more inclined to say that it's nurture in the sense that you can decide and choose and, and make that happen. But uh, even here, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, uh, part of it is the, is the readiness to take a chance. And I think that there's some people that maybe are just built ready to take that chance and not worry about all the things they could worry about when they take that chance than some others. And I've had that experience with some of my friends as well, people successful in their field that have said to me, you know, I really want to go and start my business one day and do this on my own. And they haven't been able to take that leap. And I, and then they come to a point where they're just like, no, you know what? I'm happy where it is. And this is good. And this is fine. And they do great. And they're successful. And it's all and they're right. It's, it worked out great for them that way. I have a couple of friends that talked about it for a long time and then did take the leap and then made it work. And it's been amazing. And I have a couple of friends that didn't even think about it and, and took the leap. But I feel like that part might be the piece that could be connected to yeah, uh, I, to genetics. And I, I also like I also really believe that the most successful people I know are almost always the most self-aware people. And I truly believe that that is a born behavior. Like when, when I look around- Self-awareness? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, you don't think that that's partly brought on I, because I, no, of I, the look, upbringing you had? Nothing in life is always nature versus nature. Right. It's the seesaw and where's the balance lie. But I do believe that I hear this, this adage around, you can be whatever you want to be. The reality is, I think it's really bad advice. I think it's advice that you know that schools and guidance counselors have been trained to tell people, but I just don't think it's it's right. If I would have spent my whole life trying to become a professional basketball player, it would have been a really bad use of my time. Uh, you might have figured it out, but it would have been really hard. I think <laughs> I think I think you're right that there's an element to identifying what you're good at and yeah. finding what you love yeah. and doing that. And but that's self awareness. That's that, that is that, self awareness. That, that's self awareness. Right. You're right. And I happen to be you know a person that grew up with I think a very high degree of self awareness more than anything else, more than intelligence, more than anything else, I believe that self-awareness is one of the keys that unlocks success. Because if you know what you're good at and you know what you're not good at, you could double down on things you're good at. And again, this is a question I don't have the answer to. I'm always just fascinated by speaking to entrepreneurs like you because hopefully it, it gets me closer to the answer of, can we teach this 
or do we have to identify those that are born to be that and then provide the nurture that's necessary to make them the best versions of themselves? Right. So are you when you say, can we teach this? Are you talking about the leadership and entrepreneurial yes. skills or are you talking about the self-awareness that helps create the leadership? And, you know and, what? It, I, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I, I, I'm not so sure. If self-awareness is what helps us determine whether we are able to be that person or not. I mean, can you teach self-awareness? That's a very good question. Can one teach self-awareness? How much do you think your self-awareness comes from your family and the way that the leadership roles that your mother and father placed on you, who I know well and and, and know as great people? I'd I'd be hard-pressed to say that they didn't have a whole lot to do with that. I think that they had something to do with me identifying my strengths and weaknesses. I think from the day I was, as, that I can remember, I always knew who I was. I had my neuroses. I had my confidence. I had my self-doubt. You know, I was fully aware of who I was. I wasn't able to trick myself. And I think a lot of people can like trick themselves into believing that there's something that they're not. So I do think that there was a massive genetic component, but they definitely helped foster because I, as much as I believe that you can be born with self-awareness and it could be fostered in the right way. I think you could be born with it and it could be crumbled. Yeah, I think that that you, you answered some of that question, your own question, by saying that your parents did help you identify what you were good at, yes. which is helping you become self-aware and learn self-awareness. And then, and then they say, hey, you're actually pretty good at this thing and you really like it. You should do that more. Then that helps you go, yeah, oh, wait a minute, you know what, I, you're I, right. I think, I think, I am it, was, I think it was that. more from the point of fostering the right to try things. To, you know, to, to get out there and actually attempt new new yep. things. I don't think that they ever said, you know, oh, you're good at this. It was like, just be nimble, go out and explore the world versus you're going to do this. So the opportunity to discover that it was in you already for sure. is what they gave you. For sure. For sure. And, 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 and you know, it's funny because I think that there's many things in life where, where nurture matters more. There's many things in life where nature matters more. And there's this balance of everything in between. It's wonderful to see the common characteristics and some of the challenges, you know, that all entrepreneurs have gone through in their lives at earlier ages, overcoming uh, adversity, you know, having that perseverance, that resourcefulness. Like, you know, when, when one takes a step back, there is definitely commonalities amongst leaders and, and entrepreneurs that I, that I think points to a balance of nature and nurture, but that there is a large component of you're born with certain skill sets, take advantage of them that just simply exist. I agree with that statement. I think that that is a blend and not even necessarily just in a leadership or entrepreneurial role. There's a lot of leadership roles that maybe aren't as entrepreneurial where you step into a leadership role in a company or an organization. And it's a blend of things that help you understand that can help that person understand that that's where they should be as well if they're going to find, you know, the most success. So definitely a tricky question and there's any number of answers, but I'd say, yeah, it's a blended approach. And, you know, I look at my own background I know that a big part of my decision-making skills that I'm trying to work on now and, and improve on is something that comes from my upbringing, right? From being brought up in a religious home that had a, a significant amount of like religious guilt attached to choices and lifestyles. And now being separate from that, I know that that's a big part of something that still I have to identify sometimes and go, oh, I did that. This is my initial reaction because of this training that I have from my upbringing. So there's a big part of that that's you know, that's from nurture as well, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give you the last word of this podcast. If I'm a young entrepreneur or, or wannabe leader, uh, and I'm listening to this podcast right now, if you can go back and tell yourself some words of advice and, 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 and what you would do 
to, 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 get, to go down that path and be the best version of yourself, what would you tell that, that person listening right now? I think the biggest piece for me is, and when you talk about, you know, rising up to becoming a leadership or something a, a, in a leadership position, I know for me that I've had the most success when I have not been aggressive about that particular thing, but instead been aggressive about working with the people that I'm with to try and accomplish a common goal. So for me, the greatest success I had as a leader was when I was doing the most listening, letting the other people talk and be part of things in a lot of scenarios ended up that someone else was maybe perceived as or even had the title of a, of a leader of a group in a certain way. And when I was able to be a part of that group and then work together by supporting communication between those people, it was only a matter of time before I ended up in a leadership position um, because I demonstrated you know, the ability to, to sort of help people be the best version of themselves in that scenario by listening. So for me, a lot of it is about listening. I think that's, that's one of the biggest tools. And, and, and there's a lot of us that I think, myself included, at times I think I'm listening and I'm not. And I'm just hearing. And like the act of listening takes dedicated focus. You got to really pay attention and then to act on the things that you hear and, and, and implement that with a group of people is, is where you're going to find success when you got to work with others. I mean, the other side of it is just go find what you love and just go do it and just go do it until you don't love it anymore. And if you manage to get to the point of not loving it anymore, I'll, without it turning into a successful business, I'll be very, very surprised. That's a perfect end. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time on A Dealmaker's DNA, where you can expect the unexpected.